is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open. Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown Bulldogs. September 20th. Welcome in everybody to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth alongside my partner Joe Nagy. What's up everybody? We got a banger today. We got a great show in store for you. Huge. Kaylee Mott, two-time setter of the week, is joining us in studio for an exclusive interview as well as the Ferris State Sports Report. And uh, turns out the race on last week and or two weeks ago got Hmm. Joe wild up on racing. So yes, NASCAR. We're going to talk about NASCAR on this show, so you're going to make I mean, sure... it was the Bristol night race uh, last weekend, so that's kind of sick. So, yeah, we're going to dive into that as well as the Detroit Tigers' new hire and college football wrap-up, so make sure that you subscribe for more episodes and banger content coming, and if y'all are subscribed to us on YouTube, you might have saw that we dropped a little sneaky-peaky on YouTube, so you might want to go check mm. that out. Me and Joe had a combo should. about Michigan football and quarterbacks. Ooh, about how that situation... You can it's a great that. conversation, really. Oh, it is. It is absolute factual and... Factual, analytical, insightful stuff. Yes. Those are the adjectives I was looking for. Did you read my mind? We're on the same wavelength, brother. Dude, we are good at what we do. We but really are. Without further ado... Let's swing it to the interview. <laughs> Now joining us in studio, two-time GLIAC Setter of the Week, Kaylee Matz joining us. Kaylee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Kaylee, first question for you. This weekend, team had a big trip up to the UP, played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the difference it's like traveling to those schools all the way up north, just a big road trip in general, but also not having that break in between days. You're playing all three days of the weekend. Yeah, it is a big trip. Um, super long bus ride, but it's really good bonding. Uh, we love the trip, and... It is tough playing the three days in a row, but, you know, it's a business trip. We got to do what we got to do. That's true. And you get fudge on the way back, too. That so. is true. Some yeah. ice cream. <laughs> of course. Fudge, what, a whole bunch of stuff. what wouldn't be a great road trip without some ice cream? But you guys having success this weekend, obviously taking the three in a row, and especially after playing a lot of those tougher teams at the beginning of the year, uh, maybe starting off on a little bit of skid. Now, how does it feel just to, to really keep the ball rolling and uh, start beating all these GLIAC teams? It feels good. Um, we We had a tough schedule at the beginning. We wanted to kind of force ourselves to face adversity early and uh, coming back in GLIAC, it feels good to put what we worked through into gameplay. Absolutely. For sure. And then the team is compiled of a much younger core of athletes than it was last year. You lost a lot of veterans. You know, what was that like for you and in your shoes, kind of stepping up to be a leader as well as encouraging these younger players to step up into the limelight and take those opportunities for improvement? Yeah. Uh, me and Tia talked at the beginning of the year and she was like, I mean, you gotta gotta be the old lady here, and I was like, I'm I'm still young. <laughs> but um, yeah, we um, me and Tia meet every week, and we work through what the little bumps in the road that we got being young. But we're um, very mighty in our young age. Yeah, for sure, with Respect. the young core, and I've and I'm also having some transfers coming in, like Chelsea and like Emma as well. Just talk about uh, having them come in and being these contributors early on for a team that uh, really needs to fill those holes that you had so much talent from last year. Yeah, it's really been nice having transfers come in. Um, usually, we don't have a ton of transfers, but Chelsea coming in with a little bit of experience on the court, um, it's helped a ton, especially with her having a starting role now. 
Yeah, for sure. And Coach Tia, she always talks about being in the now, not focusing on win streaks or anything like that. You know, how has that been able for you and your teammates to be able to buy into that mentality and kind of stay locked in, you know, for that one drill, for this one set, for that one game and not really looking too much forward and just kind of staying uh, focused on what's on the plan ahead? Yeah, um, after coming back from Washington and getting our butts kicked, um, (laughs) we came back into practice really hungry and um, we kind of bought into that after Tia kept continuing to talk about it, and we we're like, "All right, we actually gotta, we gotta put work in now." For yeah. sure. And that some teams, like especially, um, we know like Coach Coach Wilhelm's teams always bounce back, and there's a lot of programs that haven't been able to do that, so that's for sure. But uh, obviously, you guys playing in a new place this year. Uh, hopefully, Bulldog Arena gets put in sometime very, very soon. Yeah. But now you guys are in Wink. Just talk about the change going over from uh, down in the dungeon at uh, Ingle Glaben last year and then coming up to Wink this year, which is a completely kind of different environment with the low ceilings. Yeah, we um, at the very beginning, it was tough trying to figure out how to control the ball with low ceilings, but uh, we've done a lot of drills just throwing balls up into the ceilings, bouncing off, so we figured it out. Sick. I mean, I remember last year for the regionals, I was doing the stats, and a Michigan Tech like dad or someone was like yelling at me that the ceiling. He was like, "I'm an intern, man. I don't know what you want me to do here. What do you yeah. want us to like, do? He Bring was like, why are you playing here? I was just like, yeah. I don't know. The NCAA wanted us to. I, I can't <laughs> yeah, they were it. not happy about it. Take it up it. my boss. Play a little bit better next time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with that type of coaching style and stuff like that, and especially with going into Wink Arena, you know, what does a normal week in practice look up or uh, look like leading up to games? Yeah, so usually uh, at the beginning of the week, it's a little more drilly, trying to figure out what we could do better from the weekend. Um, and then we go more into gameplay as we continue throughout the week. For sure. Yeah, and uh, obviously you guys now starting to go up on, on a little bit of a, a road stand here. You got Davenport and Saginaw coming up this weekend. Just talk about the, the week of preparation looking up at those teams and uh, uh, what's the game plan going into those two crucial games. Yeah, um, the beginning of the week again, we'll focus on ourselves and then we'll kind of turn the page on to what they're good at and what they do and how we can minimize what they're good at. For sure. Absolutely. And especially with the cap opening up just last week, and we were talking about a little bit before the before our interview, and you said how much, uh, how much of a blessing it is. How weird is it kind of knowing that you're going to be working out and stuff like that? And what was once the volleyball arena? Like, is yeah. that kind of, like, interesting, yeah. different to kind of figure out? Uh, it is very weird. Like, there's so much history in that gym that, uh, I got to contribute to as well, but all, all the women before me put so much work into there. Um, but it's just going to continue in a little bit of different way now. Are so. you going to try to get a piece of the floor? I saw that there was like a pallet they, full of They got to yeah. auction those off and give them out, right? They have to. to yeah, yeah, so t- <laughs> oh, t- no, no, I, was, I was tempted. Are I went down. Are you talking about thievery right now? <laughs> they were just out in the open. There was a small one that was like maybe, I don't know, like a small, like it was like a phone size. Like a, that was, I was like, might as well steal it. Yeah. I didn't I steal mean, it, by yeah. the way. I didn't take it. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason that I mentioned partners in crime at the beginning of there the show. There we go. <laughs> like it's right there on the wall, Joe. Yeah. But no, that would be super cool. Like there should be like a, a charity event, give it out to the former players or something. That would be sweet. Yeah. That is Tia's plan. We're going to go through players first and then alumni and then everyone else who wants Wait, that's yeah. really that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but uh, speaking of the cap, uh, strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, um, being able to be at a high level like you've had over the last couple of years. I know now you're on the top ten list for uh, already for um assists so far on your young career already. Uh, just talk about what you believe your strengths are that you can bring to this group and uh, what makes you so successful. Um, man, I mean, it's been throughout the years a ton of hard work just in the gyms, but. 
it's not so much like the volleyball anymore. It's the leadership part that's coming into it. Um, so we're trying, me and Tammy, every week, just like I said earlier, but trying to get the leadership aspect back up there to lead the young girls with me. For sure. It's not just about what you can do physically on the floor, but as much as what you can do around the floor too. Yeah, for sure. And especially with like leadership and stuff, do you ever kind of like reach out to the the women that you've played with before, you know, like Sam, Katie and stuff that graduated last year, especially ones that were uh, here a couple of years before you ever try to like reach out to them and get like advice or anything like that? Yeah, all the time. I'm um, they're like my best friends. still. we t- I was just talking to Sam before I got in here, actually. Um, so, yeah, I talk to them all the time, not just school and but volleyball leadership stuff, too. So. Awesome. That's sweet. And just the, the, the bondage that you guys have had and obviously lots of great memories together. Is there a memory that you'll just never forget uh, once you obviously move on to bigger, better things after Ferris State Volleyball? Is there one memory that you're just like, man, I'll never forget that? Oh, man. There's so many just like s- stupid little things that happen and I'm like, I'll never forget that. But I could not tell you just one specific like big moment, but... Just the little things adding up together. For sure. For sure. Just kind of like all that culminating, especially just hanging out with friends is probably mm-hmm. the big one. Yeah. Well, last one for you here uh, before we let you go. The big one that we ask everybody, it's always, what is your favorite thing about being part of Fair State and being a Fair State Bulldog? Oh, geez. Uh, my favorite thing. I just love being a part of like a group of women all trying to do the same thing. Like we're so driven in what we do and like, Ferris, we're a winning program, like not just volleyball, literally every sport here is a winning program. Um, I'm not a big fan of losing, so that that was a big part of my decision. Losing kind of sucks, so... Yeah. yeah. Who likes to lose? Exactly. Nobody. I sure don't. So, but awesome. Thanks you so much, Kaylee, for coming on. And uh, we appreciate all the time that you gave. And uh, good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me. Once again, huge thanks to Kaylee Mott for coming on the show. Really appreciate her taking time out of her busy schedule, as well as getting ready for this weekend in GLIAC play. It's going to be a good one, and we're pretty excited for that. So we're going to hop right into the Ferris State Sports Report. And what better sport to start off than volleyball? We got a pretty good weekend coming up for the team. A little bit of a road trip. The last two on this road trip stand until they make a return home next week. But they're going to be taking on Davenport on Friday, Saginaw Valley on Saturday. Two teams who are middle of the road in the GLIAC, but two teams who we can't sleep on, especially uh, with them kind of being being known to kind of disrupt a little bit. I think Davenport beat Grand Valley or something like that last year. So we know that they have it in them. But Brandon, what are you looking forward to for this weekend? Yeah, they're going to be two stingy tests for sure. Obviously, anybody in the GLIAC, regardless of record, um, is going to be a tough competitor. It's one of the best conferences. I think it's the best conference in Division Two altogether. Yeah, that's right. So that's for, right. That's, that's literally for literally anything. Literally not even biased. Yeah, literally Straight for anything. Up. Like the most all-around dominant d2 conference like it has has to be the gliac like you you would think right i mean i would say so it's just because who okay side note let's just go through this let's prove everybody okay football we have number one and three and 21 with right yeah 22 i don't think there's any other conference that has three people that has three teams in the top 25 i don't think so maybe the armac because they have like mines and maybe pueblo no Pueblo's not ranked anymore are they no because they lost to gv yeah, so they exactly. Have, they have mines. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. Volleyball, last year, we had, what, four teams, five teams go to the playoffs? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Tech, Wayne, GV, and us. Yeah. yeah. Insane. Cross country, Grand Valley won national champions, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you have that. That one's not. That Like, one's... we literally send four teams to nationals every year. No yeah. other conference does that. No other shot. 
Soccer, we had three teams go to the playoffs last year. One was a national champion. Yeah, and Ashland was basically in our league. Pretty much so at you that time. That. Yep. They were still like in the process of switching over. Basketball, same thing. We sent a lot of teams to the uh, to the tournament every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michigan Tech, us, and Grand Valley made it last year, didn't we? Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. I don't really know swimming and diving that much. We don't have a swimming and diving team, so I barely even pay attention to that. Yeah. Baseball, also don't really pay attention to that since we don't have a team. Uh, Grand, there's a couple ranked teams in for baseball. Northwood's very good. Grand Valley's good. Grand Valley's good. Well, well uh, Northwood's Davenport. not in there anymore well, yeah. though. Davenport was pretty but good. But when they were a couple years ago, when they were yeah, still in the Gliac, they were exactly. still dominant. So. I mean, you got tennis and track and field. Yep. So. Dominance. Yeah, so pretty sure Gliac is number one. But back to volleyball. Yes, proven point. Uh, Saginaw's a tough team. Uh, they come in 8-4, and 4-0 four, four no in Gliac play. They're looking very solid. One of the more improved teams coming into this year. And uh, Davenport always is going to be stingy. The West Co- or the the West Michigan rivalry certainly stands tall when it comes to us and uh, that other team from Allendale. But it's definitely going to be really fun to see how this team reacts as well. Uh, I mean, we just took care of business on a really tough road stand, like you said, Joe. Back to back to back in the UP is something that not everybody can do, and not everybody can do well. And we certainly did that. Played very very well. Uh, not flawless per se, but uh, we got the job done for sure. And just to think, Joe, we didn't lose a set. Yeah, we did Nine not. zip. Yeah, that's just clean. That's just a clean sweep. That's literally near perfection. Nine sets, and we're on the road. Yeah, it's just crazy. But um, the big thing, the big emphasis I remember talking about last week, limiting the errors. We know our team has the dominance in, of efficiency um, to get hit per, high hit percentage, a lot of kills, um, great setup offensive play. Doing really solid defensively, staying in real in good position, condensed. It was really going to be important, and we did that, especially right out of the gate against Tech. I believe only, uh, I believe it was 11 uh, errors total in that game altogether, and that's very, very impressive considering we had a couple games where we were up into those categories for a single set. Um, so definitely really good improvement there. Uh, it got even better when we played Northern offensively, lights out the first two sets. I mean, the momentum was just absolutely in our favor. Jeez, 25 and, to 10 and 25 to 17. Yeah, That's just ridiculous. Just rolling and then finished it off against Lake State in dominant fashion um, with a 3 nothing sweep there as well. Um, and it was definitely a, a grittier game uh, in that Lake State game. Didn't play as clean, um, but still got the job done for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I say the first set was a little bit rough. I mean, but after that, we played pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, we didn't was, have the best hit percentage um, in the first game or yeah, second game. Sorry, first and second sets. But for third, sure. but third one, we kind of came back with a little bit. Thirty. Yeah, and that, and you can definitely attribute that to having to play the first two days against really yeah. tough teams. It takes well, it mean, out of you physically and thing. mentally. That's the thing. As soon as you get done with the game, you got to be on the road. Right. Because uh, Houghton to uh, Marquette is what, like a three-hour drive close to? Because you got to go down the a little bit down the horn. By, yeah. What is it? yeah, it's longer than uh, a lot of people think it is. What bay is that around the horn? That around like you, the horn. Is that copper or something? No, it's uh, copper harbor. No, no copper not, harbor is a very, very tip. That's where you go to our Royal. Is from Copper yeah, Harbor. That's like the very, 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 very tip of the. Oh, don't even worry about it. Don't worry. So I'm a map I'm master. Definitely I'll a great, pull it up. Great, great geography major. Yeah. As I do sports talk for a yeah. living, so you can but trust. Toss, you can trust me. But so. toss it back to when we first started talking about like the preseason stuff. The preseason rankings don't mean jack. I mean, we were no. ranked fourth. Every team that was ranked above us are you know just barely above a winning record, if not a losing one. Michigan Tech and Wayne State, who are two and three, both one and three right now in the Gliac. Grand Valley, three and one. So they're right behind nice. us. But I mean, five and zero oh overall when it comes to Gliac play. I mean, 
I think that really shows an, shows and attests to the grit and hard work that the team has put together, especially seeing that we're one of the more younger teams in the GLIAC, but we're still able to come in and really do some damage when we need to. Yeah, absolutely. And dominance all the way across. Shout out to our award winners uh, over the weekend as well um, for the Bulldogs. Sweeping, Joe, the whole GLIAC Player of the Week podium. Not many teams say they can do that. Kiwi No Bay is what it was. Oh, sorry to, sorry of course, to do of course. You were confusing me with around the horn, but now, now it's I, like it's under the horn. Yeah, there, I know what, what you're talking about. Uh, but shout out Kaylee Matt, setter of the week. Uh, Claire Nowicki, offensive player of the week, and Leah Bylet, defensive player of the week. Full sweep. Uh, so congrats to those ladies like for a dominant performance, and it was well deserved. Nine nothing over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Pure dominance. Keep Absolutely. the train rolling. Doesn't matter how many in a row. Matters the one in front of you. Keep that mindset, ladies. Yes. Doing awesome. So they'll be, of course, facing off against Saginaw and Davenport this weekend, both on the road. You can find all that information out. Where, Joe? FairStateBulldogs.com. Of course. But anyway, moving on. Over now, we have soccer to recap. A couple tough tests up north as well. Um, actually heard that uh, the volleyball and uh, soccer teams stayed in the same hotel uh, yeah, when they were playing. They played against Northern. Against, uh, so that's pretty that's sweet. That's pretty sick. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, really super good to see the bounce back um, on Sunday. Uh, didn't play as well. Gave up a couple second-half goals uh, in that early Friday game. Was unfortunate to see that. But the bounce back, winning at Curley uh, in Houghton against a tough team, one nothing. Um, certainly good to see that bounce back, and especially for a team that has shown the resiliency so far this season. Uh, if it doesn't go right on Friday, uh, mm-hmm. we'll bounce back and get them back on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it wasn't really the uh, greatest game um, by us by any means, but I think you can kind of attest that too. Like, uh, you know, that day was pretty cold just in general in Michigan, and then to have that kind of go, especially up in northern, it's going to be cold. It's going to be a little bit overcast. It kind of tossed a little bit of a wrench in it. And, Keep in mind, Northern Michigan was on a roll. They were three and zero by the time that, or I think five and zero by the time that uh, this game came around, and we were still kind of struggling. Had a couple ties under our belt, um, so Northern's going to be a team I think that can really shake up the Gleak and kind of make some damage this year. And we already knew too that this was going to be a tough game, seeing that Northern, you know, was really great competitors last year. They have some really good, uh, really good players. I mean. Uh, Brooke Patilla, one of their midfielders, she did really good. Three shots on goal. I think she had four shots total, a goal and two assists. So she was one that was pretty on fire. But, you know, they just kind of outplayed us a little bit on the offensive side, having 14 shots total. We only had seven. We didn't have a whole lot of corner kicks either. And I think we had pretty good efficiency, but just when it comes down to that defense kind of stepping up a little bit, a little bit lackluster. But I think that's going to be all right, especially seeing who we got to play next week. Yeah, Northern definitely pressed us uh, heavily offensively. They doubled us in shots, um, and very much so getting able to get two more past the net than we did. But also shout out to Mr. Joe Nagy over here. What a call. Katie Nestico getting a net in goal over the weekend. You called that, my friend. So kudos to you. For I did it. call that. So kudos for This man's a shot caller. If you, Dude, like you guys I, didn't know, ladies and gentlemen. So. There's just nothing to but to do it, really. I just got a talent that not a lot of people have. You, know? <laughs> you, can't, really, you can't say nothing, but you just got to say something. You Can know? you babe? Ruth point to the the left the, the right field wall please the left field wall please right now that would I want a picture I just that. call my shot you know yeah we'll have to wait for his prediction here I have to start being a betting man <laughs> betting man FanDuel DraftKings no nah, dude if I started betting I would lose all my money <laughs> yeah that's true that's why I don't need to do it either uh, but anyway good win Sunday as well. Nikki May getting the only goal for the Bulldogs and the game winning goal if you consider it that way. Uh, she did pick up a yellow card as well as uh, Carissa, but that's the thing is this team is proving uh, especially play with to your me, heart, you know, man. Yeah, playing physical 
uh, is going to end up winning us games. It's just going to be um, another just tool in our tool belt. You know? Yeah, the, the way that this game's played, um, especially in this conference at this level, when we talk back with Isabella Sabo in the interview, you can check that out in the feed below. Um, like we, she mentioned how physical it really was, especially going from the MAC and going to the GLIAC. Like that's it's really the same thing. Division one, division two. Like it's it's just as physical, and, and just being able to have that and uh, being able to press with that. Obviously, it was a really foul-driven contest in that Sunday game. Twenty, or I believe there was thirty-four combined fouls in that game. So a lot of stoppages, a lot of physicality, but still able to get shots on net. Uh, Coded quality looks, and uh, Nikki ended up getting one to fall. Yeah, pretty sick stuff. Glad we were able to get that bounce back win. Uh, it's pretty important, especially against a team like Michigan Tech, who uh, you know can really uh, do some damage and a good team too. Uh, and I think it's going to be pretty solid, especially. At, I mean, it's also just the capping off the big road trip. Uh, that's the really tough part. Especially you know you're going to Northern Michigan. That's like a six hour car ride. Toss on another two right after that. You got to get on the road and kind of get moving to Michigan Tech. So that way you can kind of have a little bit of rest period, practice a little bit before. So, especially going up on these up north road trips, it's always a tough one. It's all I would say it's a win in my book if we squeak away with a split. Uh, you know, you always want to see a, a a clean sweep whenever you go up there. But when you get the split, you always know that when they come back, uh, you're gonna be able to do some damage. You'll probably be able. You know, you got the fire under you, so you're gonna be pretty solid to be able to get that sweep again once they come at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, definitely gonna have some opportunities this upcoming weekend. Uh, we're gonna be facing off against Parkside. And, um, Purdue, and Northwest. Purdue Northwest. So teams that are definitely beatable. Definitely beatable. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, especially for Parkside. Um, they have one of the, the best keepers in the GLIAC uh, with Guyton, but they also give up a lot of shot opportunities. So defensively, not as strong as the teams we have faced. Um, they do have some goal scorers like Baker that might give us a little bit of trouble fits-wise, but um, definitely a team that we can go through, we can get back on track, get six points, and move on into the into the second half of conference play, um, facing off against tough tougher teams like Saginaw and Northwood back on our home field, which will be absolutely crucial uh, to get that moving. Just because um, with those four home games in a row now, like you can really get it, really get it dialed in as far as what you need to fix, what you need to you to do tactics wise. Um, when you start, and then you're going to have to play these teams right around the bend because you're going to play Wisconsin uh, and Purdue uh, right after the the Northwood and Saginaw game. So it's going to be right back over to play them again. Not mm-hmm. really a short turnaround. So um, it's going to be really important to get a lot of those details figured out uh, and really use this home stretch to start pay, picking up and piling up points because uh, we're falling a little bit in the standings and we're a better team than where we're placed right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, this weekend's going to be really huge to get those points back on track. Pretty crucial. Pretty crucial would be the word that it would be very appropriate to use. But uh, anyway, moving on over, uh, cross country was in action this weekend. We're over at Sparty, uh, Michigan State. So definitely a fun race overall. Very hot, as always, um, but definitely got some solid work in. Wasn't our most fine performance. Uh, I know on the men's side, we were a little uh, I'm disappointed is kind of the word that comes to mind. I mean, we still ran very well. Uh, we've, we ran better this year than we have in years past but for us like it it really wasn't that great um because we know we can do better so um uh, nate alford great race he was the leading dog 26 49 uh, i followed up 2702 as well as casey bowman brendan carney and 27 27 27 30 per um, respectively along with kevin slash keith wilson at 27 44 and um we ended up i believe placing 
um, in the top 16, I believe I want to say, um, against a lot of D1 teams like Cincinnati was there, obviously Michigan State, Kent State. Uh, Kent State was a very physical team, if I may add. So uh, definitely some displeasures after that race with some of their guys, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. But, um, but the women's team also did really well, finishing 12th. Um, and really had some great performances. Hannah Brock, uh, 79th place, 23-30. Lena Strauss, 23-34. Um, Cindy Kubiak led with a 23-38. Uh, freshman Whitney Farrell with a 23-53 for fourth. And Danae Feldsposh at 104 overall, 24-02, rounding up the top five. So going to be fun now as we have a, a week to get back to work, get the, get the wheels back on the track. And we're going to be uh, wheels up going to Louisville here soon. Uh, mm-hmm. The greater Louisville classic. It's going to be fast. Let me tell you what. Yeah. If it stays dry like it has um, across the globe a little bit right Zoom. now, it could be zooming. Even though it was pretty wet this morning, I will say from our workout, went out to man loop, as we like to call it, because, you know, turns boys into men or men into boys uh, for a hill workout. And it was a little sloppy on the dirt roads, let mm-hmm. me tell you what. I'm still feeling, I literally took a shower to come here to do the interview and went recording our podcast right now. And I literally can still feel dirt on my leg. You know, I literally took a shower for like five minutes straight trying to get all the dirt off. But hey, that's the price to pay to get some quality work in, you know? Yeah, that's true. You gotta be able to put in the work to kind of get ready for the for the weekend. It's Hopefully, true. it does stay dry because I would like to see some fast time. Oh, dude, we could run so fast, you know, over the next two weeks. I am so fast. it's gonna I be fun. Fast. So that will be Saturday, October first, and there will be also, if you notice on the schedule, it might be confusing. Uh, Lansing Community College Invitational. Uh, no, both teams won't be going to Lansing and then Louisville the day afterwards. It'll be split squads, so you'll see um, two different travel squads, one at one meet, one at the other. Um, so you can be able to find that all out uh, online, who's traveling where. You can ask around. Uh, we'll be glad to tell you where we're going, and you can support us uh, and follow along on the website for all the results and more. It's going to be a fast one. We're looking forward to it. So it's going to be fun. Uh, also in the news, tennis uh, over at the regional semifinals. Uh, shout out to uh, Jan Kapul as well as Benjamin Lordy. They were competing in Indianapolis. Um, in the regional championships on Sunday. I think it was Sunday and Monday. Uh, but won a pair of doubles games um, and then ended up falling in the uh, the semifinals to the eventual actual regional champs um, mm-hmm. in uh, Edgar Destuet and Tom Nicholas Zuik. Um, the, there was 23 teams there, according to the recap. Um, and I think there was 32 doubles teams in that tournament format. Um, and we got all the way to the semifinals. So shout out to them That's for sick. a good performance. Uh, we've certainly seen um, Coach Doran's crews do so well, um, and they certainly did. And, I mean, that's a really good wrap-up for the fall season. There might be some extra invitationals going on with their schedule. Um, but, I mean, it's going to be really good, really solid fall preparation. And then the spring, time to get rolling and start. Yeah. time to start winning again. Rocking and rolling, getting after it. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to tennis. Um, golf also had some pretty good performances over the weekend at the um, Doc Sprague invite over there in um, Ohio. So, congrats to all the great performances mm-hmm. we saw there. Um, I think we day were. Day two is going on right now. Yeah, day two is going on as we speak. So, right now, we're, I believe, in eighth place at the current moment right now. Um, and we're only trailing two uh, GLIAC teams that are doing really well Wayne State and Grand Valley State. Um, but we're really looking to see where we're at right now. Uh, we've seen a lot of great stuff 
uh, overall from a lot of the younger guys. So mm-hmm. um, we're really seeing a lot of um, step up as well as the veterans uh, showing the consistency. And uh, we look forward to making sure that we can really dial it in, tune it up, and then we're going to let it rip here in the spring as well. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to these two seasons. I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people are sleeping. Obviously, we lost a lot of the, uh, a lot of our quality seniors from last year, or our juniors um, as well. But I mean, we still have a really solid team, and I, I really like, uh, I really like what Coach Stark's doing right now. And I think what Absolutely. he's really bringing a lot of these younger guys, getting them the experience, um, and letting them play a lot of these big tournaments. Because I mean, like just in far, like I can even relate this to my scramble tournament over the summer, Joe. Like. <laughs> Golfing in a tournament environment a, it's a lot different. It is a lot different than going out and playing around. Like yeah. it, you, the you way that get you locked think, in. the way that you perceive a shot, so different because you're thinking about so many different factors. It's really a chance. Oh, sorry for yawning. No, oh. no, oh. my bad. My yeah. bad about that. Uh, it's really like a whole different approach that you got to take. It's like a chess game almost because you got to like really think about, especially you know your practice rounds. You got to think about where the pin's gonna be for different days. Especially if you're playing on either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you know you might have a little bit easier of a of a situation on Sunday. But you know if they're going to be playing tournament pins, it's going to be different. You know if it's raining, you got to figure that out. But also it's like, okay, if the pins in the back are in a different situation, like I got to hit a different club because some greens can be you know 20, 30 yards long or you know 40 yards wide or something like that, and that could be the difference between you know trying to do a little soft eight iron, doing a little pitching wedge. It's going to be a lot different. Not to mention uh, being in Finley, Ohio, I'm pretty sure their course is a tough, uh, one of the tougher ones. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting time, really challenging one. But day one, they did pretty well, 580 uh, for strokes uh, for the whole, uh, for the five. So that's really not too bad. So, I mean, they can really kind of step up a little bit, but I think we're going to be pretty all right, uh, especially going into day two. And we'll get the, hopefully be able to get the um, final results soon. Yeah, so we'll make sure we'll mention that uh, on the uh, Thursday, Friday show. Um, so you make sure you can subscribe for that. And we'll give you all the deets as long as they're posted, unlike last time where we had a little bit of a malfunction with uh, the tennis results. So uh, hopefully we get all that to you and we can recap how well they do it, the dudes did. And mm-hmm. then the women will be next week as well as women's tennis. We'll have regionals next week. So Super you can cool. make sure you can stay tuned for that. And football is going to be back this week. Football is back this week to wrap yeah. up the Ferris State Sports Report. We might not have had football this week, but you still want to hear some scores from around the Gleak. So sure, let's do that. Get ready that. for this week. Northern Michigan took on Davenport uh, in their first non-conference matchup since they'll both be playing each other again later in the season. Yep. Davenport took the W 31-21, so Northern Michigan's going to be out for blood next time they come around. Saginaw Valley running up the score on Northwood 35-14, still playing pretty strong. They just got to, the, what, 21 in the nation. So mm-hmm. one of the first times that they've been ranked in the past couple of years, really cool to see, especially seeing that we'll be playing them soon. Wayne State lost 21 to 28 to Wisconsin Lacrosse. Uh, Wayne State had a little bit of a good day. I think they had one of the their one of their corners was defensive player of the, of the week for the Gleak. So good to see, even though they got the loss. Uh, Grand Valley State 66 to seven against Lincoln University at California. Uh, They ran up the score. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to mimic that as well uh, this week against Waldorf. But Midwestern State took on Michigan Tech uh, in Wichita Falls, Texas. Michigan Tech had the big road trip. Uh, They lost 28-21. So, hate to see that. Yeah, they hate to see it. But going to be fun this weekend. Waldorf coming to town um, to take us on in the homecoming game. 3 o'clock kickoff for those interested in coming um, to Top Taggart Field. Um, it's going to be fun. I mean, we're looking at Waldorf as um, a team that is definitely going to be fun to play. We've never played them before, so obviously uh, new beginnings in this matchup. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely a team that 
has shown that they're a pretty good, pretty good, solid team right now at four and zero. Obviously, we're gonna like our chances with all of the fans that'll be coming um, in this game. Um, it's gonna I, be a sick time. Yeah, I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see some different stuff this weekend. Uh, being able to have Waldorf come in um, as a team that we can. We don't. I'm sure we have preparation for, and obviously they're gonna have some preparation on us, but not the full, not the full packet like we'd see with the Gleak team. Mm-hmm. So I think you're gonna see a lot of different surprising looks, uh, maybe some different kind of play calls they might want to try to experiment with. Um, as this is a game to do that when you got teams that um, don't have as much familiarity with each other. Playbook's wide open, so mm-hmm. it's it's really gonna be fun to see. Uh, it's gonna be looking forward to seeing, uh, making sure everybody's back, uh, making sure everybody's healthy. We'll see if we get guys like Malik back this weekend, or if they're gonna be elected to sit um, for the week or next week I or think two. He's probably sit line. out. I feel like that'd be the best idea. Yeah, I don't really want to rush it too much. Yeah, especially I mean, we, against Finley, it's gonna be a tough team. You definitely want them to be like fully healthy. You don't yeah, rush it. I mean, we got we. That's the thing. We we're so blessed here at Ferris to have four highly capable quarterbacks of leading a team. Um, and winning football games. So just the crazy thing about having um, Malik and having Jesse and Evan and Carson, like it's just insane that you can literally go into a game. It's like, yeah, we could flip or roll a dice or something and just pick a quarterback, and we're still going to be as successful. I mean, yeah. not a lot of programs say they that. You remember Malik really last year, national championship interview? It's QBU here, baby. That it's is true. QBU. QBU. Not at all inaccurate. Totally true. Um, so it's going to be fun. Make sure that you check out all the ticket and stuff information. I'm sure tickets are going very fast. Um, pack the student section because now we have bleachers, permanent bleachers. Permanent ones. For these games, guys. So and it was really. Yeah, isn't that crazy that it took us that long? It really like, did take so long. It all was saying is, insane. All I'm saying is big things are going to be coming to Ferris State Athletics and the facilities that we have in the next few years. It's going to be sick. So hopefully it goes through. Yeah. But we'll see. I would Two, love well, also the the reason I think that uh, they had to get new ones is because last year and the year before, me and my friends were pretty uh, <laughs> rough on those bleachers. <laughs> like we'd be jumping and like we'd like the bleachers would go up. I think we heard like a bolt like snap off or something. Oh, like probably. That. So I think that's probably the reason why they had to get new ones. Yeah, maybe we had some. They were kind of slanted one way because we were jumping on too much. Yeah, we have some very very enthusiastic fans. I think um, that's the best part about it. So, yeah, it is great uh, until they get on top of one of your steeple barriers and that's break true. one. So all that saying, was unfortunate. All I'm but. saying is if Ferris just took out the track and moved Hey, the f- hey listen. Hey. Listen. Listen. Okay, fine. Settle. Settle. If we just took out the track and moved the field right up next to the stands and then made, like, a small ball all the way around, not a whole lot, but at the ends made it, like, a pretty much bigger and the opposite side bigger, we could really, like, the noise there would be, like, multiplied by 10 because you have the whole uh track that you got to get over and then like after that where does it go all the sound just goes up yeah and then you just move the track to the open space in between the football field and the soccer field just make a nice track and field space right there okay that's big enough i like your idea the only problem is that field is very very wet so drainage would have to be a very very in-depth complex project to make sure all the drainage would get away because it definitely was one thing. That's why, like, I think a couple years ago, we had to resurface it was because of the water uh, pushing off of those hills. But that's just the price we pay for where we're at. So, but I think, yeah, if like we continue the success, I wouldn't be surprised within the next ten years. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, we need to make a football improvement and make yeah. a, a stadium or even improvement. even what they could do is just move the football field to where the IMs are over there. Yeah, just make a whole brand new stadium, and then you could, you know, 
kind of make the football field like a little bit more like what it is right now. You could kind of make that improve the track on it, and then you can kind of have that be like a track centered thing. You know, wouldn't be a bad idea, I would say. I would. Actually I would say. I would say that's pro- that would probably be the best idea because if you if you think about it, I mean, you have to kind of work out parking and stuff. Yeah, that's probably the which biggest. Which is problem like the biggest problem, mind. but like, if you really wanted to knock out Kramer, knock out Bishop, how many people stay there? Just put them in Bond and P- Peterball and all that stuff. Like, you really don't have to do anything about that. Knock out that, move DPS to somewhere else, and you kind of that whole spot can be parking because that's about as big of a big of a spot as what the actual parking lot is now. I mean, I guess you have the rec parking behind, but really what you could do is just have parking all over the place. You could have parking across the street at the strip mall because you can just have people pay for parking there. You could have people pay for parking really at the spot down the street by where B-Dubs is at and stuff. I don't know. I got I got ideas out the wazoo, man. Yeah, I could, we, get we, me on the phone with the president. <laughs> get oh, Bill Pink on the phone. Yeah, we need to have a chat. I would like that idea. I'd actually consider flip-flopping it. I would say do your idea. With football, make the bowl much more tighter so mm-hmm. he actually can keep sound because you're absolutely right when everything... It's so, that's it's why so it's abysmal. not as loud. Yeah. That's, like, it, it gets loud, but it's not as loud as like... It could be... We have enough people and enough rowdy people that we could get it as loud as what like Grand Valley was. Oh, get, yeah. That anchor bone last year. Oh, yeah. Almost every game. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the problem would be definitely parking. Would definitely be uh, the biggest issue just because... With DPS, that those lots are really good, but I mean, you're gonna have people staying there. That's the only problem. So I would say keep the football field where it is. I wouldn't mind if they had like an open track, uh, can't like facility maybe even over there. I mean, I don't think that would be like a terrible idea. Mm. Um, and you could bring in maybe you could probably have to build up some standage around it. And uh, I mean, that wouldn't be bad either to have like you could have like a, a turf field, uh, multi-purpose field. And you could have that for uh, any team that needs to use it for IMs or whatever. Yeah. And I don't think that would take up that much space where you'd have to like even take out. I mean, you probably have to find a new place for like the softball fields and stuff um, for IMs. But I mean, I think that they would be able to find a place somewhere too. I would, I would assume. Maybe you Maybe even could keep it new, there. Uh, you could, like, I don't know. You could figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's big enough where we it fits have, a whole track around that. We have the ability to use that. I just don't want. Like, I mean, oh, I'm biased, but I'm going to definitely be biased on this one to say that I would love to have that own facility. I think there's definitely, like, what Grand Valley does makes sense. They have lubbers. They have that field. Like, we can do something like that and have our tr- have the track being moved um, into its own space where it's like a, uh, with a, a lacrosse or a, uh, um, like, for a rugby team or something like that where they can have, like, a surface to play on. So they're not just literally playing on a uh, on a literal just grass intramural recreational field like that's kind of like it's cool but it's like yeah you could definitely do better than that for like these game environments so you yeah. could build up the all I could say though is like we like just don't just plant it there and then just expect to like we need standing stands around we need all the we need all the the equipment um, proper drainage all that sort of stuff which I'm sure they might have be a lot of, it'll be a lot of work but like. You'd have to kind of figure it out. Yeah. It would just be a lot of planning. It wouldn't be a terrible spot either because all the way around is covered for the most part with like Kramer and the dorms. The The wind's not going to be an issue. The planning part wouldn't be hard. It's just we need the money. The upkeep and the money would be probably the the hardest part to actually do it. So, but we got ideas here, Joe. I like where you. I like where you're. It your is on is. the horn with the president. Yeah, that's Mr. all we got, Mr. Pink. We have ideas. Call Mr. us. Pink. Be on the show. 
there's a wide open chair right there. Could you for imagine? You. Crazy. Should we? Let's try. Why not? I guess so. We'll talk about it, but we'll go to a break and we'll be back with hopefully more here on the MVSP. The MVSP is proud to partner with the people of Eagle Village Incorporated. For over 50 years of experience helping on changing the lives of youth, there are opportunities for you to be the next to make a direct impact, including plenty of positions available, including summer staff, internships, and more. For more information, visit eaglevillage.org. Eagle Village, where potential source. And we return from our break and a hop into some college football now. Uh, not the craziest weekend, Brandon, for week three. Not too many upsets that we saw, only the Michigan State blunder against Washington. But everything else was pretty chalk. Uh, I guess we'll probably hop in. We can just hop right into that Michigan State-Washington game. Pretty crazy game. Uh, Washington offense, valid. Yeah. Like, or Penix Jr., and that offense is scary good. Uh, putting up a lot of numbers against a pretty good Michigan State defense. 39-28 to win. But Michigan State dropped out of the rankings after that loss. Do you agree with that, Brandon? No. And I know there's a lot of people that were like, Michigan State played horrible in that game. Sure, they were still 11. Like, we should be looking at a team uh, like Miami, for example, that it was 13. They're still in. Are they? So they're, they're really justifying this one performance from Michigan State to drop them out of the top 25. I'm assuming they receive votes. They're probably 26 or 27 or whatever. Yeah, they're probably right behind it, but still. Yeah, but I think the the problem with it was was Washington was unranked. That was the biggest yeah. issue with this. But Washington was still at home. It's their third game in a row they've played at home. This is a first road game for Michigan State. Miami lost their first game on the road against a good A&M team. So I think you look at that, and they're probably like, yeah, which one? I can understand where the decision is made, but it's just hard. It's really hard for me to believe Michigan State's not a, a top 25 team. Maybe this is for the better for them, falling out of the top 25. Maybe get some yeah. juice underneath of them, go back to go back to chopping um, at the the woodshed as they would call it. Um, but I mean, you look. I, if you were to look, ask me, like, would if I were to compare Michigan State to a lot of those lower teams like Pittsburgh? Uh, A&M, uh, you could maybe well, talk about like Penn State and those teams that I would definitely say like they're in that conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. I would definitely take Michigan State over like Pittsburgh right now. I'm like they're playing okay, but they're like they're so run heavy. Like there's got to be somewhere when someone's gonna stop the run and they're gonna be in in really deep trouble. So I would put Michigan State in that conversation of like 24, 25. I think they should still be ranked. But according to these rankings, it makes sense. That's the unfortunate part. It does make sense that they fall to 25 with that. But when I look at those top 25 teams, I'm taking Michigan State Mm -hmm. over probably three or four of them. Yeah, but to go kind of more in depth about this, when this game moved Washington to three and zero on the season, Michigan State is now two and one. Going to be hopping into Big Ten play pretty or next week. But still, that game, uh, Peyton Thorne didn't play half bad. I mean, he played uh, pretty solidly, 323 yards. Yeah, 323 yards, a t- three TDs and an interception, 30 for 42. That's pretty efficient if you really look at it. Their rushing could use some work, but receiving-wise and passing-wise, Michigan State really did a good job with that. They just couldn't really get past that defense from Washington. But, you know, Michael Penix Jr., three, 397, four TDs, 24 for 40. That's better than fifty, about a 52% completion rate. Dude, they were just firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and Michigan State's such a a good team at establishing um, physicality and speed, both in like combo and context, 
uh, for what their offense was. I mean, they wanted to get Berger out in space and let him run because he was so good in the first two games, and uh, Washington certainly limited him. And not only that, but they put him in so many third and long, third and seven, third and eight, third and 12, where Michigan State was just in a position now where it's like, yeah, we don't really have a lot of other options at this point. And Washington was bringing pressure and giving Thorne uh, no time really to, to survey the field. Uh, so then you had guys like Keon Coleman who were the dominant targets in this game. They had that connection there, but without Jaden Reed, uh, you could definitely tell that there was a little bit of lockdown on some of those other guys um, in the receiving core like Mosley uh, and like Bernard and those guys where you look at that situation of when you got a guy like Jaden Reed there that can take the top off. You have Keon Coleman that has so many talented gifts, uh, and that gives you two receivers to look at. And Washington only had to look at one, really, with Coleman. Obviously, uh, they, they kind of looked at that during the game, and they started to more focus on the run. Um, so Coleman definitely got his. But as far as overall, the tempo seemed a little bit off. They were very shaky. They had a lot of penalties. Um, so they just didn't look like themselves. They really just kind of looked shell-shocked. And that's the word that came to mind, especially early on with Washington. Michael Penix was an absolute dog. They like their their offense looks so Dude good with that it. that speed, that tempo. My gosh, they look like a really good team right now. They're gonna have to prove it on the road, though. That's where they're gonna really mm-hmm. prove themselves a top twenty five team. Because like I said, they've only had three home games so far. Yeah, and they got um, Stanford, UCLA, and then I mean Arizona State after is gonna be somewhat whatever. I mean they're going through a little bit of a change. Yeah, yeah. With their new Dude, why would you let a coach go in the end zone? That's a terrible look for them. Did you see that? Yeah, that, that they was... They fired Herm Edwards was, in the end zone? That was literally, like... What are you doing? That is so incredibly unprofessional. What are you doing? Like, especially if... Because here's the thing. The next coach that you go and hire, it's like, well, what are they going to do if I don't perform? Are they just going to fire me right on the sideline? Are they going to, like, are they going to embarrass me like that? Like, that's just something that, like, you just shouldn't do. Especially as... Because what was it? The athletic director and, like, the and the president? I think so, Yeah. Like, you can't, like, that's just so, especially, like, with fans still there. Like, I get, like, if you wait after the game, you know, and kind of, like, wait for it to clear out and then you have that conversation. But that was, like, right after. There's still, there's fans filming the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's not a professional look for sure. So, it's unfortunate to see some of that stuff happen. Like, um, you know, there's always the, um, like, the old saying, cut the ties at the tarmac, do it in the tunnel, do it where nobody can see. Like, that would be at least a little bit better. But, come on, man. Really, right after the game, tell him to go pack his stuff. I mean, that just makes it look like you're being so judgmental in that mm-hmm. moment, and, and that's just unfortunate to see. Because Coach had, Coach Herm Edwards is definitely in a position where he helped that football team. Obviously, not long term, um, and that's why they moved on from him. But I mean, for what he brought back to that fan base, especially after their upset win last year, uh, I can't remember who they beat, but I remember them beating a top ten team, and that was such a good moment for them. And it's just gone, it's just really unfortunate that you kind of had to burn that bridge right there with that moment because now nobody's thinking about that loss anymore. They're thinking about, man, they just literally let Edwards go in the end zone. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. They're a terrible yeah. look for that program. For sure. So, But anyway, like you said, Joe, a lot of chalk this weekend, uh, a lot of uh, ranked teams taking care of business, uh, like Bama, like Georgia, and a lot of these top teams, Michigan as well against mm-hmm. UConn. Uh, Blake Corum looked really good. JJ looked good as always. Uh, unfortunate to see Cade go down. I mean, this was a, a, a bummer for him right before halftime because uh, you would love to see him continue to, to succeed. And um, for all that he's given us, like I said, the slander is not necessary. Yeah. Um, I know there were some boos in the stadium, but they took over cheers later in the game, which was which was better. There's no reason Cade McNamara should be booed uh, in under the any circumstance. The guy led the team to like, 
beat Ohio State, beat Ohio State, win a conference championship, make the college football playoff. Yeah, it's just it's just weird how like quickly fans can switch up. You know, yeah. like how it's like all of a sudden now it's like people now are realizing that JJ is the better quarterback. But like the guy brought you so much success and he's been a guy who has stayed with the program to help build it. I mean, of course, it's been an elite program for the past few years, but he came in and made the program better. And like it just is very frustrating to see that when he comes out when a, into a stadium where he should be met with cheers. It's like they're just booing him. It's like what I don't understand what you want from the guy because he gave it your all. And if, if you're going to boo him for that, then... And then the thing is, if he does transfer, all those fans are just going to be, like, doing the same thing. They're going to be like, well, if he's transferred, he wasn't even, like, there to actually help the team. It's like, well, when he did help the team, it's not like you gave him anything to, like, feel good about. You just booed him the next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see that way, and he doesn't deserve that slander. But uh, some other notable games, Oregon beating BYU, 25-12 matchup, Oregon... Um, taking care of that one. So they boost themselves now in the AP ranks up to 15 uh, with that win uh, over the Cougars. Uh, Miami falls to A&M um, in their bounce back games. So A&M now moving up, um, like I said, to that. I believe they moved up to 23. Miami going to 25, like I said. But neither team played really good in this one. And the only reason Miami's probably ahead of Michigan State is because Washington was not ranked and AM was. Um, so, but uh, other teams taking care of business all over the board um, should make a lot of really good week four matchups this coming weekend um, where we start to see conference teams starting to face off against each other, some finishing non con games. Um, but like Clemson Wake Forest will be a fun one in the ACC opener. I'm looking forward to that one. Florida and Tennessee, I'm heard, is literally almost sold out already. Um, and last I checked, it was Tuesday. Um, for the Saturday game, that's nuts. Um, Texas Tech, Texas should be a fun game. Um, that one will be looking forward to seeing. Arkansas A&M will be a fun game to watch. Um, Wisconsin and Ohio State will face off. Um, but there's a, a lot of other games on the docket for sure. I'll be interested to see where college game day goes. Uh, and, I mean, that App State game, holy cow, what a weekend. Dude, for Boone. May, My goodness, that was fun. Miracle in the Mountains, man. Yeah, there's something about it. Them being able to win that on whole Hail thing Mary. was pretty sick. Yeah, like that whole like that, whole, especially college game day, moving to go to there, and then that going. On. Did you see that? Uh, one of the people won the college game day scholarship things for the yeah, semester. Yeah, I did see that with the with the sign. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That is sweet. We need more stuff like that. That's cool. Cool. Think for college the game day is gonna come to uh, the Ferris Grand Valley game. It's one versus two. Oh man, I don't know. Think they would? Could they? Because didn't they be do that? Bonkers. Didn't they do that like two or three years ago? Did they? Uh, they. I think they went to Grand Valley for something. If Did I'm not, they? if not, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like I could see Fox coming. It was here. the it was the year before we came here. I think because I went to that game and I thought I saw. It. I'll try to look it up, but yeah, I could have swore that they came to Grand Valley for something. Yeah, that would be that would honestly be pretty nuts if they did. I could see like uh, just Fox Detroit coming again because I think that would definitely be yeah uh, notable. Bring like Devin Gardner and those guys to call that game. I think that would be pretty sweet. Um, and then especially for a one v two. I mean, come on, that's just that's just gonna be ticket sales galore. Um, but dude, if if Lee Corso and company found a way to come here, that would be epic. I would love that. Yeah, they've never been to a D two school. Uh, people were campaigning for them to go there last year. Um, at Grand Vet when it was uh, at Lovers, which would have been pretty sick. Yeah. But what the? I mean, if it's gonna be a one versus two, like they got to. I'm gonna turn that down. Man, that would be tough. They have so to, don't they? ideally, that that game is what October fifteenth. So that would be week seven. 
um, of college football season. Um, looking at some of those matchups that could potentially um, protrude into that. Uh, Michigan hosting Penn State. Uh, Tennessee hosting Bama on Knoxville. Uh, USC Utah in Utah. Uh, Arkansas BYU. Um, and that's maybe Texas, Iowa State, maybe. Um, but other than that, those are the only matchups that are really like popping out at uh, popping out right now in my mind. Um, those those Saturday games. I think there's also a Big Twelve Thursday game, like West Virginia Baylor, I think, or something mm-hmm. like that. But they wouldn't go to that one. So, uh, Clemson and Florida State would maybe be the other one in Tallahassee, but not a whole lot of other games. Um, in my mind, it just be kind of like if it was if it was going to be like. Bama and Georgia, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I can't compete with that. But mm-hmm. I think that'd be cool. I think that would show um, that it's it's just as much about football in general um, as it is just about. I'd say I'd say what they should do is go to the D, like show the D2 themselves. game of the year, whatever. Like choose like a D two game like every year, and then go to one. For yeah, the only so problem is now then you'd have to be like, oh, now they have to go to a D three game, and now we're losing two games, so well, that would ha- kind of I mean, suck. I don't know. I feel like. I don't know. It must be just because we're biased with it, but I feel like a one versus two thing in that'd be especially sweet. since we're in the same conference. You know what I mean? Yeah, we should just like let's let's like the reason. Well, the only reason I say that too is like you know how much uh they don't have to televise a game, but you know how much like publicity they'll get to like these players who are like who are good enough to like Caleb Murphy is good enough to go to the league. Yeah, like I'll there's a lot so. of players. I feel like you could, could make that make that point on a lot of other players on Grand Valley. I mean, I don't know if I don't realize how I don't know how good that Cade kid is, that quarterback. But I mean, you can make it like there's a lot of players who could definitely like make a case to make the league. Like there's a lot oh, of yeah. good talent, but I don't know. I just feel say they should go just to be able to showcase that. Yeah, even if it's like a minimalized, excuse me, a minimalized version of game mm-hmm. day, people would still go. I would say so. But it'd be kind of hard to do that. And I think like Basically, what I'm thinking of as far as a minimalized game day is literally what Fox Detroit does, and I'm sure they're going to want first bids at this. So, um, But I think, yeah, you're going to see something at this game for sure, the way that these two teams are playing. It's a head-on collision course for an epic football game. So um, we'll look forward to that. But let's start something, Joe. College game day. It's a big rapid. Let's do it, man. Join us on social media. We'll start the trend right now. we got just over, under a month uh, to get them into the B-Rap. Four anchor bone. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. You never know. Maybe we're a month from now and be like, we did it. You never know, man. We should. Could be cool. It'd be sick. So, but anyway, make sure you follow along. We'll do all the NFL picks, predictions, and all that recap um, on our later show this week. So we'll get into all that um, for NFL. So it should be fun. But uh, in other news, uh, in baseball news, wanted to touch on this really quick. The Detroit Tigers have we got a good GM. Finally, whoa, well, hold on, Joe. Well, I'm saying he's going to be a good GM. Anybody's better than Al Avila. Let's just be honest. Well, the, here's the thing: Scott Harris was hired as the president of baseball operations. Is his technical title that mm. he was hired to? But yeah, will he become the GM? the GM? Will be the question. Basically, he's going to be the GM. Yeah, he I, was giant. He was Giants general manager. We don't have a GM right now. I feel like he's going to be both. Because that's what Stevie Stevie Y does for the for the Red Wings. Right, he's the president of operations and the GM. Yeah, here's and why. Look, I'm, here's sorry, here's why ahead. I'm hesitant. the The problem that we've also had in the last couple years, especially with Al, was that he was doing everything so much he wasn't physically focused enough on picking a lot of those players properly. Like he, he there was definitely a lot of guys that 
that we could have had in in different situations. Um, so maybe separating them is the way to go so that there's a lot more focus um, on the analytical side like they wanted um, when they hired Alavilo originally. Uh, but no, I think, I mean, I'll, whether he's going to be just the president of baseball ops or if he's going to do both as a GM, Scott Harris is an absolute bomb of a hire. Absolutely great hire. He was the guy that really built up uh, the San Francisco Giants organization. He's been a part of them uh, in in their run last year um, with the most games winning in a regular season. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is they've revitalized um, a lot of great careers um, and I think it was one of those situations where we have a lot of great players in older years, and I think that what the what he has learned from the Giants is how to be able to save those, especially arms. Uh, this was something that uh, Chris Castellini pointed out uh, on a video that I watched of his. Is like the amount of old arms that they've been able to revitalize with, like Kevin Gossman, uh, just as one of the examples. Like they can bring, they've really done a great job of developing a lot of these older players. Uh, to be able to contribute at a high level, mm-hmm. even though they're kind of leaving their prime per se. Um, but no, I think what we're seeing from Scott Harris, a really young upstart mind, and I think it's going to be a, a really nice job um, filling that position with a really talented, really knowledgeable president of operations. If he's GM, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, hopefully he, I mean, I think if we do hire him, it's going to be pretty solid. Giants kind of did a little bit of a turnaround because they were really good back in the early 2010s uh, when they made those, like, what, four or three and six years, a three and five year run uh, for World Series. But then they went and they kind of went a little bit of downscape, but now they're kind of getting back up a little bit. I mean, they got Jock Peterson now. They got some good players. It's just that now that they are kind of getting back into it, I mean, they're 70 and 77 in a, in a very competitive NL West uh, division, which, I mean, the Padres are just running away with it basically at this point. But I think if we do sign him as GM, he has, one, a lot more money to work with than he was than he had with the Giants. Two, if he's just president of baseball operations, I think he's going to be able to hire a pretty good, a good uh, candidate for GM because he knows what it takes to be somewhat successful. I mean, Alavila was just a dumpster fire basically the last, like, 10 years. He didn't really do anything. The thing about that whole situation back in when we were actually good at baseball for a little bit is like we we could have been a team that would have been a powerhouse for the next 15 years. But Alavilla decided, let's just trade away everybody. Let's trade away everybody for nothing. Like we didn't get players to really make the team any better. We slowly got rid of everybody. You know, we started out with one of the best teams probably ever created in the past like thirteen or in the past thirty years. And then you know what we do? We trade away Justin Verlander for almost nothing. We trade away Max Scherzer for for almost nothing. We have free agents leave. We just get nothing in return for these players. And it's like we don't shell out the money that we have to give away. And then I think now that we have a guy that can actually do that and actually has the mindset to be able to think about that is that we're going to get back to a spot where we'll be at least a little bit of contenders, hopefully. Who knows? I mean, we were having a pretty lackluster season this year. I thought we were going to be playing a lot better than this. But, you know, when you sign Javi Baez to a 200-some-odd million-dollar deal and that's your best player that you have and he's going to have this bad of a season, I mean, that's just bad to look at. And if, you, and if that's, one of, that's one of Alavilla's best moves that he's made in the past, like, five years. So I think anybody anybody is going to be better than Alavilla. No, I think, yeah, I mean, I it was really uh, a poor showing from Avila over his years, so hopefully we can get past that. But Scott Harris is uh, just a guy that's really learned uh, how to uh, really put an emphasis on the modern side of the game with things like analytics, being with um, really helping 
develop on pro or develop a lot of these prospective players uh, into fine talents and finding those uh, older guys and seeing what they can still provide to the team. Um, so, and that's really one of the things that he really did in his really one of his uh, first like significant jobs was when he was helping um, working and under Epstein and Jed Hoyer um, in Chicago to end up getting them um, their record breaking World Series. So that was really where he kind of became. Uh, a big household name, um, and when this, then he was eventually up to assistant general manager, and then the Giants took a step and wanted him as general manager, uh, and then we saw obviously the the great success they had last year, and then obviously losing a couple players, um, and losing a couple to injury and trade regency obviously hurt them, but I mean it's a great hire. I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of direction we're going because we're kind of still at an impasse of uh, obviously we'll hear the. The, the press conference here later, uh, it'll actually be this afternoon on Tuesday as we're recording this, but um, it'll probably be on Wednesday when we kind of figure out everything that they're trying to do. Um, if they're going to hire another G, another GM that he's going to work with or if he's going to take the role of president of baseball operations and general manager um, or how that's exactly going to work. Um, but I think we're in good hands right now and it's going to be really looking, uh, really looking to be uh, a lot of positivity going up. Um, as we've concluded this season, that has been uh, a, a big disappointment. But I mean, Terrible. not much you can do about it. Just move on, new beginnings, and try and to play uh, somewhat better. True, that's facts. Better but, than we can. Yep. But anyway, finishing out the show, NASCAR. We're getting to Joe's undercover sports topics. NASCAR. We did disc golf last week. You can check out that episode. Now we're going to NASCAR because Joe's in the racing mood. Um, but. A fun I kind race of been this weekend. NASCAR a little bit. Yeah, the Bristol Motor Speedway, the Bass Pro Shops night race with the last round of 16 in the playoffs. If you don't know how uh, NASCAR playoffs works, it's kind of a point system, and only 16 drivers qualify. However, all the racers race. And so how it works now, especially with these pa- with at least a round of 16 concluding, it included the Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway, the Kansas Speedway, as well as the Bristol Motor Speedway or the Bass Pro Shops Night Race. Uh, Bass Pro Shops Night Race was the last of the round of 16, and that means that we're moving on to the round of 12. So the Cup Series right now, it stands at Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, my guy, race for Toyota, Chris- Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney are in the top eight. Now in the that bottom four in the top 12 is Chase Briscoe, Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, and Austin Sindrick. Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick both missing out on that, which is a pretty big one if you uh, if you kind of really pay attention to racing at all. Uh, but also Martin Truex missed out. The Truex team is not going to be able to uh, get in anywhere on the um, playoffs, which is unfortunate. However, uh, this Sunday is going to be the big one. It's Texas Motor Speedway. That one's going to be huge. Pretty excited for that one, honestly, because that one's going to be pretty solid. The Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. Mm-hmm. If you're just wondering if NASCAR's running out of motive or out of money, just look how many names are in, in <laughs> front of in front of the in front of the race. Yeah, advertising. But Everywhere. I think it's going to it's a, honestly a pretty sick uh, looking playoff so far. I mean, Chase Elliott and Joey Logano were racing pretty well. Denny Hamlin was pretty solid, especially uh, during the Bristol Night Race. He was uh, chilling out at number two. For for the longest time, went all the way back down to, I think, 11th or 12th. But then Denny Hamlin's pretty solid at making that last push near the end. He knows how to really work out, especially in big crowds like that. Because if you do know anything about racing and the Bristol Motor Speedway, it's one of the last stadium series uh, to exist. Mm-hmm. So it's a very short track. It's only, I think, a half mile or a quarter mile. I can't remember. But there's a lot of, not a lot of space, you know, Races are only going to get up to about 150 miles an hour, 160 miles an hour. Uh, once they hit the corner, then they're going to slow down a little bit. But it was really, it was a pretty sick race. I mean, a lot of overtakes. It was really close quarters, really cool. But 
right now, uh, or especially last weekend on Sunday, uh, Joey Logano kind of ran away with it. He led for 719 laps, including the last lap. And he saw, he already has five stage wins uh, for this stage. So going into, I think, Joey Logano and Chase Elliott are going to – or sorry, Chase Elliott was the one who led. Joey Logano was right behind it. But those two are going to be definitely ones to watch out. Uh, but, yeah, Joey Logano, not really my favorite. I watched him when he was on Disney XD on Lab Rats back in the day. Oh, geez. Uh, and I was like, I like this guy. But now <laughs> he's just kind of – he's just more of a complainer. So I – yeah, I don't really like him too much. He just complains about like races and stuff, like if he doesn't win. Yeah, it's definitely a different vibe. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Just the fact that, like you mentioned, how some household names um being left off the list, like Harvick so far. Uh, I mean, not finishing really well. Um, in the Cookout Southern and the the Hollywood Casino 400, um, in those two races, 33rd and 36, um, is not where we normally see him in the top 20 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he can sneak up there now and then. He's very consistent driver. It's just he's not been as consistent high up, um, so far this year, and that's what's kind of held him back. Um, but I think like right now, like Kyle Busch is on a pretty bad skid, um, so he's starting to fall. We got a lot of guys mm-hmm. that. Um, like, I mean, Kevin Harvick still has two wins this year, uh, behind him or above him. I should say Tyler Reddick mm-hmm. has two wins this year. And so these guys, even though they might not have some of the best, most consistent races, uh, have definitely shown that they can win. Um, but obviously we haven't seen Tyler Reddick race in a while. So we'll, I don't know if we're going to see him this weekend, but, uh, I think there's going to be a lot to look forward to, um, uh, in this, in the, one of these longer races. So. Yeah, I, I am more of a fan of the longer races, mainly because that is just kind of more like overtakes and stuff. The uh, smaller races uh, are a lot of just kind of like more technical driving. While you see the, while a lot of times you see in the bigger races like Talladega and like, uh, um, like Talladega, like the, the Poconos and stuff like that, you see a lot more like cars opening it up, getting up to 200, 210, some miles an hour, 220, and really kind of letting the horsepower and that kind of be the showcase of the day. But, you know, a lot of people like the Bass Pro Shops Night Race just because of the history and tradition of it, and it's one of the last um, stadiums that are just solely for racing. Yeah, so, I mean, right now, at the looking at the NASCAR playoff meter that Fox always puts out, uh, like these, uh, it's going to be really fight to stay alive right now. Like Chase yeah. Briscoe, Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sindrick has mentioned it's that it's gotta be your best performance or go home. I mean, that's yeah, really exactly. where you're at at this moment. Uh, you got guys like, uh, Chase Elliott and Joey Logano who are looking to really make sure that you're mm-hmm. finishing, <laughs> just finish, right? Yeah. That's really all car. they have to do. They really didn't do super hot in this race. I mean, I know I said they were, per- they've been doing pretty solid so far in the cup series standings. But this race, they kind of fell apart a little bit. They didn't even crack the top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you just got to make sure. Like I don't drop pretty far. Yeah, you just got to make sure that you get around the track the correct number of laps and get across the line. Make sure you finish, and then you move on. Then you're going to make it to the next round. But for a lot of those other drivers, I mean, this is now in the postseason uh, of racing with this new format that like, we're going to see a lot more aggression in, in a lot of these races yeah. where we just because naturally – like if there's a move, I'm gonna have to make it. I I can't think twice, right? Because yeah. especially when you got 50 to go and you're in a 20 spot, you see these other guys up in the 15s and 10s. Mm-hmm. It you might gotta, not matter if you got a good drag or you might not have the right airflow on, on a some potential slingshot. You're gonna still take it though if you can get every inch by inch in mm-hmm. this moment. Because at that moment, obviously you have the time to wait. You have the time to wait. Uh, but you know there's a wreck coming in the final 20 laps, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that you're as far up and away from it as possible. And so it doesn't take out your season yeah. just because all these drivers are are now in a mode where a lot of guys might be normally conservative. 
they're going to start getting more aggressive in these playoff races just mm-hmm. because, like I said, can't leave points on the table at this point. Yeah, true. Spite to survive. And for us, I mean, we're not even really huge NASCAR guys. I just got into it recently because one of my friends really likes it, so I watched, like, the past couple races that have been going down. But, like, for a lot of racers that choose to race differently, like, Logano kind of likes to keep it inside a little bit uh, and kind of really hug the inside of the track. Uh Hamlin likes to kind of go up top, use those hairpin turns a little bit more and kind of cut the corner a little bit at the end, which when it gets down to it, that might be a situation where you got to really change your race strategy is, well, do you have to either go up around the outside of the top of the corner or top of the turn and kind of try to beat them to the downslope, or you got to either have it where you're going to have to hug the inside a little bit more, not give up those chances for those racers behind you to overtake you. So uh, that's one thing that I'm going to be really looking forward to, especially this coming Sunday uh, uh, when they take on Texas Motor Speedway there. That's going to be really cool because it's, I think, a little bit longer of a racetrack. But one thing too, Brent, I wanted to bring up is Ford, I think, is discontinuing the Mustang production after this year. What? So I don't know if they're going to be making Mustangs for uh, NASCAR because I know, especially a few years ago, they used to be basically racing in Ford Fusions and stuff because they didn't allow muscle cars. But now that they do, it's, uh, you know, the Corvette, it's the Mustang. It's a little bit different um, for how they're kind of manufacturing. So I don't know, Brandon, do you think they're going to probably, if that's true, I heard it just from one of my friends that's into kind of cars and that type of stuff. If that's true, are they going to continue the na- just manufacturing the Mustang or manufacturing NASCAR Mustangs re- uh, rather than for mass production? So they're keep wait. So they're so they're taking Ford, the Mustang since, since off Ford, circuit race. Since Ford, no, since Ford is trying to go more electric car route, they're not really going for the muscle car anymore, like the sports car type. Right. Thing. Like they'll probably still keep like they're just trying to make it so it's a little bit more like electronic and stuff and mm-hmm. more. Uh, like that type of stuff, electric cars. So the question is now, are they going to kind of push that towards racing as well and stop that manufacturing for that and try to have NASCAR kind of switch it to where it's going to go back to the thing like where the Fusion's racing and it's going to be like the Chevy Cruze and stuff rather than the Corvette and the um, Mustang and then whatever Toyota drives. Oh, man. I would. Oh, Camry. That's what the Toyota, that's what yeah, Toyota drives. Yeah, Camry. Uh, I think, well, obviously those aren't going to be stock mods, but... Uh, I dude, I, I can't see, uh, uh, like that would suck. I know, like the Chevy's obviously going, uh, they were going away from the Camaro for a while, uh, but I feel like. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Chevy's Camaro. They're not they're, Corvette. I, I, I think they've are they've already made so many modifications, even just in, uh, even just in produ- mass produced stock cars, that you can still have the ability to use the Mustang for your advantage and still have because like Ford without the Mustang is just. It's not as it's not the same kind of a vibe. I think what they like have with the Mustang on yeah. the, having the Mustang on the track and mm-hmm. having the Mustang available to average consumers is what drives people to get some of those cars. Like especially NASCAR fans, like yeah, I want a car that goes fast, of course. So yeah, you want you want to get moving. Yeah, and the Mustang is definitely the 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 big ticket for them. So I mean, you look at that idea. It's- I guess I don't. I don't do that. If they do, that's yeah. a bold move it's for not them, gonna be, branding it, wise. But yeah. it may, it's it not going to be, be anything too um, too soon. Ford's gas powered Mustang may be discontinued by 2028, um, according to industry insiders. Um, Ford's top brass are looking to discontinue the gas powered Ford Mustang by roughly 2028, making the upgrade upcoming seventh generation generation Mustang the last of the lineup. In in Mustang altogether, or I, th- gas? I, I, I think in Mustang altogether. Oh. 
Now, so that's the thing. That, so if they, that, if they discontinue that altogether, like, are they going to keep on doing that for NASCAR? Is NASCAR going to have to switch it up where they probably go with like the, where they might go with like the GT or something? I don't know. That's where it gets, that's where I'm like, discontinuing the Mustang altogether is a bold move. Uh, I mean, I can understand. Like, because then it would, it would be more of a sport. They'd have to if they go to the GT. It's sorry to interrupt, but if they go to the GT, they're gonna have to go to more of like a sports car type deal, and it's gonna be more of like a F1 type feel. Yeah, you know what I mean. I uh, yeah, I think if they go to the GT, I, they're gonna have to make a lot of uh, changes body wise. Um, but I think there's still like an ability for them to keep it both. I think what would make it really like I I could see them. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't... I think maybe they just kind of want to keep the Mustang in its original shell, and I think they just kind of want to keep it that way. Uh, I did just see something online that said that they're, they're going to race it in 24 um, still, but I think you're going to see a lot of these cars starting to get that modernized, um, sleeker shape. I think you're going to, like, especially on the mm-hmm. mass market, so if you're going out to buy a car, like, you're going to see them a lot sleeker. It's going to be a lot um, more about efficiency, I feel like. Correct. I think that's what the the biggest, and that's really why we have uh, electric vehicles, is we're looking to be efficient, and we're not we're, we're not trying to make it as best, uh, environmentally possibly uh, the best it can be as well um, as still having great performance. So that's what the ultimate goal is. Um, I just, I, it, it would be really bold, I think, in that mind to take the Mustang out completely. Um, but obviously, I mean, it'll be very interesting. I could see them going and keeping the Mustang on the market uh, a couple years after they discontinue it from NASCAR, um, possibly, um, just so that you can keep it on. Because I like people still buy Mustangs. Yeah, people. Yeah, I think, like and it, it's just hard for me still to be believe. around. It's just you're not going to get any new ones. Yeah, like I mean, they already worked on the 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 modernized like five O's that you can get. Um, for really cheap, actually, mm-hmm. like 30, 30 or 40,000 compared to Corvettes and Camaros, which are like 70, 80. So mm-hmm. uh, I think they're going to keep it around. It's affordable. I mean, every like everybody loves Ford. Um, well, not everybody, but people in Michigan have a, a, an attachment to Ford and the Mustang. So obviously that and the F-150 will probably be around for years and years to come in this state for sure. Yeah, it's going to be around for a while. Yeah. But then, yeah, but the next question that is asked, like if they do discontinue, Excuse me, little voice crack. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> uh, but if they can discontinue the Mustang, then like, what are they gonna do with the Camaro? Are they gonna do that with? Or are they gonna try to keep the Camaro? Or are they gonna switch to the uh, Corvette? Because then they'll try to do more sports car type deal. Uh, that but that would be interesting because they we'll have see. they have both where it's like Ford. Uh, I mean, you have the GT, but it's not. I just wonder what Toyota would do because Toyota doesn't have a sports car, do they? Uh, well, if you considered the the Supra. <laughs> I get uh, yeah it's a but Supra. That's, that's pretty much like f- fast and furious vibes so um but I know that'd be really interesting to to see here I mean I'll, I'll, it's really gonna be uh something that I would look into just even not even as a NASCAR fan just to see how that kind of goes because that's going to that's going to affect that industrial production uh and analytics so we're trying to do like a finance podcast yeah we kind of are basically because when this stock does this and then that no i'm just kidding i'm interested to see though i mean it's going to be a couple years until it makes that decision but like if you're nascar fans that that's a pretty a pretty solid point of discussion to have you know yeah i think so uh i think you'll still see um i think the camaro just has probably better opportunity uh, to make that transition, I like the Camaro better than the yeah. I Mustang, think I honest. think it has the opportunity for where they're kind of going in that direction. 
um, than the Corvette. Like the Corvette and the GT to me have a different feel of vibe. I mean, obviously body shape is like that. It's it's the most notable. It's not, not, they're sports cars. They're not muscle cars. Right, right, right. So I think when you think of NASCAR, you automatically think of making an efficient, uh, more swift muscle car because obviously you're going to need you're going to need the horsepower and you're going to need the torque to be able to get around the track as much as be fast. So every time that I just look just in, not even like the stock things like that, what are like what NASCAR makes for the cars or like how they look on the track, just like in general, if you look at a Mustang and a Camaro and then you just have the Camry right next to it, <laughs> it's like, it's like sport or muscle car, muscle car. Mom's got to take the kids to soccer practice. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yes, it literally is. I I would be curious if uh, uh, Toyota would ever consider like manufacturing a true muscle car. Because I mean, the Supra kind. The Supra is kind of a sports car. It's a sports the way, car. The way it's built, because it's got more of like the long hood and like the the shorter back. Yeah, that's the same thing that like the Corvette kind of has now. Yeah, the I think what is it the. Um, Oh, uh, the GTS. I know what is it? Eighty six GTS kind of has that vibe. Um, for those familiar with the the Toyota eighty six, kind of it kind of has that. Um, as far as it's it's got the track styles, but it's it's kind of a it really kind of hit its heyday back in like I want to say like mid fifteen, sixteen, fourteen, nine, maybe eighteen. Yeah. But I think it's one that you could kind of say maybe, maybe not. Um, but no, I think those those three brands are probably gonna stay to stay to to fight. But uh, maybe it'll be interesting to see if more brands want to jump on board there too. Yeah, so. if they if more kind of teams and stuff start to build up. But that's interesting, especially seeing that NASCAR has got a little bit of a change coming its way. So that's gonna be pretty cool, Brandon. I think we probably should end the show there. Ooh, we went long. We today. went a little bit long today, but hey, time flies when you're having fun. Am True right? facts. True facts. Yeah, it's true. But thanks again so much for listening. Again, check out our YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere where you can listen to us, as well as Instagram and Twitter at where, Brandon? At the MVSP. At the MVSP. So we're going to head out. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And once again, take care. Take care.